there's something that I can do. I can play a part in church life. Because church doesn't just happen. And many people, you just wake up and you go and say, oh, I think I'll go to the 9 o'clock. I think I'll go to the 11. There's people who have been planned and have been scheduled and are here way ahead of you to make it happen. Your choice of, I think I'll go... It doesn't happen unless other people make the plans. And church happens well each and every week because many people are committed and they give sacrificially. It's a sacrifice to serve. Come on, when my alarm goes off at 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning, that's tough. I want to tell you that. That's tough to get up because we're up at that time every day. And we're like, God, oh, just, just eight, nine, oh, it would be so nice. People, others serve. The band are here at 7.45 to be ready for service, to meet and prepare. People are here to open up. Fred's here. Others are here to turn on the lights, to get things prepared. Hope's up earlier than that, making breakfast and preparing. And the coffee's on and the cappuccinos are ready. It takes a lot. You don't just wake up and church happens. You don't just show up and church happens. There's a lot of planning and preparation. So today I want to talk about the end message from our series of new seasons. Come on, say with me, new seasons. I want to talk about a transition that we have labeled as this. Transition from attendance to service. To transition from just coming, if I feel like it and when I feel like it. But to make a commitment to say, I'm not just going to come, I'm going to be involved, I'm going to serve, I'm going to do my part. So I'm going to transition from being an attendee to being a server. And I really believe this is just as important as every other subject that we've covered this month. We have covered some incredible subjects. We looked at transitioning from worry to peace, having a relationship with God and, and how that makes a difference in your life and the peace that comes through that. We looked at unfortunately forgiveness to forgiveness. Anyone touched by that message and challenged by that? Just letting go of things. Anyone let go of some forgiveness? Come on, and, and unforgiveness and forgiven people and just experiencing that freedom and liberty in your life? It works. And we talked about that. Trey preached an incredible message talking about leaving hopelessness behind and stepping into a position of being hopeful and trusting God. Pete knocked it out of the park Sunday as he talked about transitioning from what? Death to life. Looking at God to bring life into every area of your life. And and again, now we're talking about transitioning from just kind of being at church to being the church to doing what God has called each one of us to do. We have too many consumers in the church. We have too many people who come just to take. We need some producers and from providers in the church that are going to come and say, I want to do my part to make church happen for someone else so their life can be touched and their life can be changed. Because church isn't the same. And church doesn't look the same. And church really doesn't function right without those who serve. You know what a lot of people tell me when we've asked them to serve? And we tend to not beg people. We tend to throw out the need and say, here's the need. Can you help us fill it? Because I don't feel we need to force people into doing anything. We don't use the word of God to manipulate or force people. We just throw out the need and say, would you respond? But you know, I'm tired of hearing people say this. Pastor, let me pray about it. Let me pray about it. Listen, the bus is not running on Wednesday. There's nothing to pray about. We need a driver. 
come on, there's a need that the answer's already there. Jesus said, if there's a need, you need to fill it. Where does he say that? From Genesis to Revelation? He speaks about giving of your life. It's in the Word of God. It's a principle throughout the entirety of God's Word. So if you need to pray about it, we've got your answer. Do it. Be involved. Play a part. And we're not minimizing prayer. Don't get me wrong. But we shouldn't be sitting about praying if I should be driving a bus if there's a need. We shouldn't be praying about holding a door open to someone if there's no one on the door. That should be a given to every one of us. The prayer should be, God, anoint me to do that in such an effective way. It shouldn't be, should I do it? But prayer should be, help me to do that in the way that you want me to do that. And to bring that in the way. So let's look again at our scripture. And again, you're going to have to get your Bibles out today. This is old school. You're going to have to turn some pages today. You're going to have to do work for yourself. It's not on the screen today. You can't be lazy. Look at your neighbor and say, can't be lazy in church today. Get your Bible out, get your iPhones out, get your smartphones, anything, start looking. Here we go. We're going to look at our scripture again from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 through 13. And this is coming from the Message Bible. He says these words, dear Corinthians, you can put your name there. Dear Sarah, dear Russell, come on, dear Carrie, dear Rhonda, this is for you. I cannot tell you how much I long for you To enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from where? Comes from within you. Your lives are not small, but you are living them in a small way. I wonder if that's a description of your life today. It's not small, but you're living it small. God didn't restrict it, but you're fenced in. You're not open and you're not spacious. You're restricted. Paul says these words, I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Can you see the desire that he has? Come on, I'm just making it plain. I'm just telling you how it is, Paul says. And I'm giving it to you the best way I can. He says, open up your life. I pray today out of this month that that's what every one of you have done. That you've opened up your life. You may say, Pastor, there's no change. I still feel that way. Come on, you've got to create the space in order for God to fill that space. So you can begin to fill that or create that by faith. And God's going to move in and God's going to fill it. Trust me. He says, live openly and expansively. I'm telling you, I can't help but to get excited each and every time I read that scripture. Why? Because that scripture tells me I'm made for more. Come on, that scripture tells me that I am made for more. You are made for more. Come on, that's not just a dream of, oh, wish I could do this. God says you can do this. Oh, I wished I could be used. God says you've got the ability inside of you. You just need to step up and to be used. Come on, that needs to be the reality. Scripture, the Word of God, needs to be the reality of my life. Not something I hope for, but I live in. And I'm a part of, and I believe to be. And it's fully possible. Why? Because yes, it's bigger than me, but it's never bigger than God. And God is able to use my life. Come on, someone say with me today. I wasn't made small. Come on, say it like you mean it. I wasn't made small. But say this, I'm small because of me. Come on, that's not a negative confession. That's pretty much where we are. But we haven't finished. Are you ready? That's just a comma. Here it is. Are you ready? Repeat after me. And I'm making the change. Come on, I'm transitioning into life. 
All right, you can stop repeating after me now. Let's go. But come on, I wasn't made small. I'm small because of me, but I'm making a change. And I'm transitioning to life. And as I said earlier, I really believe that this message isn't going to be a blip and say, oh, let's just cut that one off. I believe this message is going to be just as powerful and life-changing as any other message in this series and any other message that we preach from behind this pulpit. Because believe me, we take this place sacred. We, we value this. We're not here to waste your time. We're never here to waste your time. We've got to give you something that you can use when you go out there because it's tough out there. We need to give you some food that's going to sustain you through this week, not keep you the whole week because you need to have some daily bread each and every day through the word and, and through prayer. But we're going to give you something as a boost. Come on, we're going to give you the vitamin B or whatever shot. Come on, we're going to give you a shot of adrenaline today. Come on, we're going to give you a five-hour energy that's going to take you over the top today. But I believe that this transition is just as important for your life because if it only flows into you and doesn't flow out of you, you're going to stink. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, do you stink? Have you ever driven down the road and you smell a really bad smell? Huh? We've got six kids. There's a lot of... No, I'm only playing. <laughs> you ever driven down a road and you've passed over a ditch or something and it absolutely stinks and it smells so bad that you're like in the car going, ah, oh, what is that? Why is that? Because you passed over something that had an inlet, but it didn't have an outlet. So it just stayed there and it just got stagnant and it just began to fester and things began to grow in it and it really smells really bad. And that's the reality of where we'll be. I don't care how saved you are. If you're just getting it coming into you and it's not coming out of you, you're going to get stagnant. And you're going to begin to stink and you're going to be a stink and a stench to other people and you're going to turn people off of God and you're going to turn people away from God. So today I want to show you what I've labeled as the principle of giving. The principle of giving. And we're going to start today at the top. God's a good place to start. Amen. John 3 verse 16. Are you ready? John 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he... Come on, help me out. God so loved the world that He, His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Because God gave His best, which was His Son. He gave the best He could possibly give. Because God gave in that way, what is the promise that we are promised in this verse that we can now all receive. Come on. Because he gave, we now can receive. Every one of us now can receive the best. What's that? Eternal life. There's nothing better than heaven. There's nothing better than one day living with God. So because God gave the best, you and I can receive the best. But I want you to see something. Before something was given, something else had to happen. Something first had to be given, yes, to produce in return. So without Jesus, there would be no true life for any of us. And the world would probably have destroyed itself by now if Jesus hadn't have come. But before given, there was something else. You know what that was? For God so loved. As a result of love, he gave. But he had to first love. There had to be first love. And from that love came. 
He gave. Because of love, that love changed everything. Amen? Love changed anything and everything. And I believe that when we read a scripture like this, God is modeling something for each one of us as his children. And that is this, because of love. Because of God's love for each one of us, while we were dead in our trespasses and sin, Christ died for us. No greater love has anyone than this, than to lay down his life. That's the greatest act of love, that he gave his life for you and I. And because of that love, now we can receive love. And because of that love, we can now give love. But what happens, you see, as a result of love, we now give. Because of our love for God and us giving our lives to Him and Him placing His love inside of us, I want to show you why He does that. There's three purposes, I believe, why God places His love inside of us. Are you ready? Number one, for you to feel loved. That's important. Come on, that's important for you to feel loved. Or you can put it this way, for you to know love. You can know love and feel love. Why? Because God loves. Because he gave that love. Here's the second point. Are you ready? He gives us that love for what reason? For us to then give that love to other people. Come on, that we are now to demonstrate that love and to live out that role just to play out what he has done inside of us. He now wants us to live out that. But here's the third reason or the third thing that happens. Are you ready? Then others experience that love too. So as a result of me getting love, I give love. And when I give love, others can experience the love of God. You've got to see yourself as something today. Are you ready? You're the in-between between God and others around you. You're the in-between link. You've got to see that. You've got to realize the purpose you have, that as you receive love, you give love. And now through giving, they can receive love. And the process and the cycle continues, continues, continues. But if you're not there in the middle, how can they really know? So your purpose, my purpose, is not just to suck God's precious air. My purpose is not just to come to church and say, Amen, Pastor. My purpose, because of love, is to give of myself. And to give that love, to share that love, to be that love to other people. And how does that look in our lives? Let's look at it, okay? Let's go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2, towards the end of the Bible, it says these words. James 2 verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works? I want to do something right here, if you would let me. Every time we say the word faith, I want us to say after that relationship, because that's what we're talking about. Faith is not just a belief. Faith is a love relationship that God wants us to be a part of. So let me start again. It says, what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith, relationship, but he does not have works? Can faith, relationship, save him? Really, here's the thought with that. Are you ready? That kind of relationship or that kind of faith where you just say you've got it, but you're not living it, you're not displaying it. The, others, the thought is this, that others around you cannot be saved by that. That you're not impacting other people for Jesus Christ. That's what God's word is applying right there. If you say, you know, I've got the faith of God and I'm living for God and I've got relationship and I've got all these things, but you're not doing the work. God says, who can be saved by that? 
What effect is that really happening? You may be okay, but you're not impacting other people around. Let's read on. Or this is what he says from New Living Translation. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, what is the use of saying you have faith, relationship, if you don't prove it by your actions? That kind of faith or relationship cannot save anyone. Verse 15, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, if one of you says to him, depart in peace, and you live and says, well, goodbye and God bless you. But be warned and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, food or clothing. What does it profit? What good does it do? Verse 17, thus also faith, relationship by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Listen here closely is what New Living Translation says. You see, it isn't enough just to have faith. Faith, relationship that doesn't show itself by good deeds, is no faith at all. It is dead and useless. Let me read that again. And I'll just read it myself. Are you ready? Don't repeat with me. You see, is it, isn't it enough... Or it isn't enough for you just to have relationship. Because relationship that doesn't show itself by good deeds is no true relationship at all. It is dead and it is useless. I want to interject something really important here right now and you've got to understand this. We don't earn our salvation by our works. That's not what it's talking about right there because no good deed that you and I could ever do could ever pay the price. So we don't earn our salvation by serving God and by obeying God because Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us it's by grace that we are saved through faith and not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest we boast and say, whoa, look at me. God says, no, it's not about looking at you. It's about all about me and what I have done through your life. But we really believe that as a result of true faith, true relationship with God, guess what? Our commitment to that will change who we are. And what I mean by that is our commitment to that will be played out in the deeds of loving service, not as a substitute for, but rather as a verification of what we have in relationship to Christ Jesus. So what have I said? My works does not produce my salvation, but as a result of relationship salvation, guess what? Works are going to flow out of me because that's just the natural thing. Because of love, now what happens? I give. Because of love, I now give. That's the transition right there. And we're not just talking about giving and serving here in the house. We're talking about in your house. We're talking about in your work. We're talking about in your community. We're talking about everywhere you go. Come on, this is who we need to be continually. Because of our faith and relationship with God and falling in love with Him, we now give that love to others. We now serve. We now become that love so others can see the light and the circle. And the process continues. Listen to this. Gandhi said these words. Gandhi said these words. He says, the whole world would follow Jesus Christ if Christians actually did what Jesus said. A man confessed that the whole world would follow Jesus Christ 
if Christians actually did what Jesus said for them to do. Because of love, give. What did we just read from James 2, verse 14 through 17? Because of our love for God, our relationship with Him, we will demonstrate that with actions. And if you would look down further in verse 22 of James chapter 2, we've just talked about Abraham and his willingness to offer his son to God. I mean, my God, he was willing to offer his son to God. And the Bible says, do you see that faith, his relationship was working together with his works. And by works, faith, his relationship was made perfect. It was complete. What was it doing? Faith was working together with. It was working together with. You know what that thought is this? It's a practical harmony of or between a vertical faith with God and a horizontal works out to a needy world. So what we've just read through this passage is this. Faith is both spiritual with God, but yet it's very practical to other people around. Come on, it's beats on the ground. It's just doing those things. Not just praying about it, but doing it, being what God has called us to be. And I'm going to add this. Without the practical, you know what church becomes? Religious. And you know what religion does? It drives people away because people feel they are no, there's no way that they're good enough. Come on, if relationship, if church, if our lives is just all spiritual and praise God and glory, hallelujah, and we don't have anything else, we're going to drive other people away. We need the practical as well as the spiritual. Spiritual first, but from that comes the practical. From their love comes the giving, the serving, the being involved in what God has called us to do. You see, God doesn't call us just to preach the Bible. God calls us to live the Bible. God calls us to walk the Bible into other people's lives. But love has to be first. And it all has to start with the relationship. That's why Peter and John could say this in Acts 3 verse 6. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have. What did he have? A love relationship with God. And as a result, he said, but what I do have, what did he say? Now I can what? I can give unto you. Come on, anyone with me today? Because of love, I can now give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one I serve, the one I'm in relationship with, the one I know personally and intimately. I've got a confidence in him. Come on, I can say right now, rise up and walk. He couldn't have said that if he didn't know Jesus. And it was more than just a head knowledge of Jesus. He had a heart realization. He had relationship. And because of relationship, he can say, and he says, such as I have first, secondly, I can give to you. Everything of our lives must come from our relationship with God. Otherwise, we have nothing of substance to give. You may be able to meet a need, but I'm not about meeting needs. I don't want to just meet needs. I want to see God change some lives. 
Come on, because you can meet a need and provide a meal for one day. But what about if you touch a life that can provide for itself and can be touched and changed and can see miracles and breakthroughs? Come on, we prayed for a baby a couple of weeks ago. Pete talked about it last week. If you weren't here, you need to hear it. The baby had been diagnosed with brain damage and it was having problems. We prayed for that baby. The mother said that she went back to the doctors and, and the doctors prolonged the, the MRI that they wanted to do and pushed it back. But she said, I knew that God healed my child after you all prayed. She said, because my baby started becoming a baby. He started to coo. He started to respond. He hadn't done that before. And she went back to the doctors and the doctors said, your baby's healed. Come on. There's nothing wrong with your baby. The baby would have seizures and go. The baby hasn't had anything. Why? Because some people turned around and said, because of my relationship with God, come on, I'm going to give to other people and I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe. And now other people are witnessing the effects because it goes on and on and on and on. Come on, we can change a life because we have something to give. Not just meet a need, but to change a life, to transform a life. God generously gives us things that we have inside of us. For what reason? For us to give them to other people. And let me show you that from the scripture. You ready? Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. And don't worry, I'm not giving a tithing speech today. So you can let go of your wallet. You can let go of it. And don't worry. But I will say this. You can give without love, but you cannot love without giving. Come on. You can give without love, but you cannot love without giving. Malachi 3 verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. You see, God, you can only try God when you know God. Because if you don't know God and you don't trust God, you're not going to try Him. You're not going to put Him to the test. So what do we see right here? First, relationship. God says, and try me now with this. Through relationship, God says, put me to the test. And He says this, will I not open for you the windows of heaven? Who's He talking to? He's talking to the ones who are in relationship with Him, in love with Him, who are willing to put Him to the test, put it to action, that which they have inside of them. He says, see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out such a blessing that they there will not be room enough to receive it. I like that kind of blessing. Come on, I said I like that kind of blessing. So God gives us more than we're able to handle. For what reason? God's not a God of waste. Okay, He's not spilling it out onto the ground and saying, oops. God gives us more than we can have. God gives us a surplus. Why? Because He wants to give us enough that there'll be enough left over that we can give and Produced to other people. Now he's specifically talking about money here. And as we give, the thought is this, there'll be enough back that we can give to other people. But God's not just talking about money when he's talking in Malachi chapter 3. It's a principle of giving that when you put God to the test and you trust him and you say, God, if you can use anything, would you use me? And you're in love with him and you step out and you begin to be used. God pours back such blessings that there'll be so much given to you that you won't be able to hold Hold it all in and you'll just be able to give more and more and more and more. What an incredible principle. Never demand it. Come on. And never like forced upon. But God presents what? The truth. If you do this, here's the blessing that will come. And God says, if you will bless me, if you will give to me, 
And yes, he's talking about money in Malachi 3.10, but remember, we're talking about a principle of giving. You give your time, you give your service, you give your talents, you give your abilities. God says, if you're willing to give those, come on, I can give back to you greater blessings than you ever imagined in your wildest dreams. Come on, trust me with this. If God can get it through you, he's going to get it to you. Come on, if God knows he can get it through you, God's going to bring it to you. But it's got to flow through you. If not, you're going to what? Going to stink? Going to stink. So God gives us more than we need so we can pass it on to other people. Your needs will be fully met, but other people's needs will be met too. Through you. Through what? Relationship, love, and giving. That's when the return can come back. And that's true church right there. What I just explained and I presented to you is true church. We see that in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse 45, or 44 and 45. It says this, Now all who believed were together and they had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and their goods. And they divided them amongst all as anyone had a need. Now please don't get worried. We're not telling you to go home and sell your house. We're not telling you to go home and sell all your jewelry and your car and all this. This was a voluntary act of benevolence. It wasn't forced. But people, because of the love that they experienced, they were so willing. They did it because of love. They didn't have to be asked or pled with. They just did it. It came natural to them that because of their blessings, they wanted to bless other people. They wanted to serve. They wanted to do. They wanted to be what God had called them to be. And again, don't go and sell all your stuff unless God tells you to. And if God tells you to, maybe ask him again. Seek counsel. But then when you do, that's true church right there. Everyone playing their part with what they have to touch the life of other people. But here's where we're at. Are you ready? I know where you're at today. You would say, but Pastor Philip, if I had more, I would give it. If I had more time, I would give We have all the time we need. We just need to prioritize it. We need to just put it in order because we have time for the things that are the most important. The things we love the most are the things that we'll make the time for. If we love him the most, come on, we'll prioritize church and the house and serving and doing all that kind of stuff. Not trying to put you on a guilt trip. That's just the truth. That's the truth. We have all the time we need for the things we really want to do. But here's the thought. You could say, Pastor Philip, if I had more. Yes, look at our lives. We could always have more. There's always more we could have. Come on, we could have a bigger car. We could have a nicer house. We could have more money. It'd be nice to have a little bit more money here and there. Come on, let's be honest and let's be real. But I want you to look at what you do have right now. And I'm telling you, you have enough, not only for you, but you have enough for other people too. God's given you so much that there's enough for you to use to touch other people too. Come on, God's given enough love inside of your life, not just for you, but you to love other people. God's given you talents and giftings and abilities inside of you that you can use. Come on, it's not just about money. It's not just about money. What about that smile that you can give? What about that kind word you can give? Come on, what about helping someone across the street, holding the door open for someone? A kind word. Come on, every one of us are able to give that. We can do that. Why? Because of what's been given to us. We have so much. We should be so thankful for everything God has blessed us with. 
John Norman often talked about the time he went to Nigeria and the kids had nothing, but they were encouraged in every offering, in every service that they had something to give. And he would watch these children as the offering bucket would go past and one little kid would take a hair off his head and drop it in the offering bucket. Someone else would put his face in and give it a big smile. He couldn't understand that till they explained to him and said, we tell people that every one of us has something to give, even if it's just a hair, even if it's just a smile. Come on, every one of us has got something to give. Every one of us has got something to give. And the only reason you wouldn't have enough today is because you haven't first given. The only reason, if you're here today and say, I don't have enough, the only reason why is because you first haven't given. Oh, that's not true, Pastor Philip. Well, you're calling God's word a lie. Because God says what? I will open up when you try me and you put me to test and you put me first and you give to me. God says, I'm going to give back to you. You see, church is not just a buffet line. And even if it was a buffet line, someone would have to be here early and cook for us and prepare for us and clean up after us. So there would still be service that's required, even if church was a buffet line. But church is a place where you and I are called to use our gifts and talents that God has given us to serve other people. Where we can put into action our relationship to create an atmosphere for others to experience God. Did you hear that? Because of what he's done for us, we can create the atmosphere for other people. When God calls Moses, I'm almost done, from the backside of the wilderness in a burning bush, what was Moses' first response? Initially, of course, it was fear. He saw this bush, he heard a voice, he's freaked out, and God says, don't be afraid, come close. But you know what Moses' first response almost was? The first response most of us have. From Exodus 3, verse 12, or 11. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh. Does that sound familiar? Come on, you may be sitting there today and say, but what can I do? Who am I? Look at me, I've got nothing. I can't do anything. What could I possibly do? How could God possibly use me? I mean, if you knew my past, how could God possibly use me? Listen, God's not interested in your past. He's about the present and future. He's about the present. What relationship and love with him? And then he's going to change your future. And then verse 12, I love this. Here's the heart of God. God says to him, I will be with you. Come on, that's all you need to know today. Well, who am I? God says I'm with you. Come on, I'm there with you. I'm the reason you can do it. I'm I'm the hope that you have inside of you. God didn't say, well, look at you, because if he said that, then we would get so pig-headed and we'd think it's about us. The reason we can serve and the reason we can be effective is maybe because we're not the most talented and we're not the best, but he's the best and he can flow out through us. He's just looking for a vessel to flow through, remember, because if he can put it through you, he can get it to you. He can put it in you. And, Mo- and Moses, a lot like us, he's got a thick head. He's not getting it. He's not getting it. He's still kind of struggling with it. So he, God goes to the next chapter and says, let me write another chapter so you can try and get it. And Moses answered God and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. God had just told him, I'm going to be with you. But he's saying, but really, God, I mean, suppose what if they don't? What if they say the Lord, God hasn't appeared to you. You're just eating too much cheese. You don't know what you're talking about. Listen to what God's reply is in verse 2. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? 
You know what Moses said? It was a rod. He had a staff in his hand. I believe the word of the Lord for each one of us today is what's in your hand? Not what's in your wallet, but what's in your hand. Come on, what's in your hand? Maybe today it's a hammer because you're a construction worker. Maybe it's a computer because you're a nerd. No, I'm playing. You just work on computers. Maybe it's a ruler because you're, you're a teacher. Maybe it's a calculator because you're an accountant. Maybe it's a baby because you run a childcare. You see, we look and we discredit ourselves and say God could never use us. But what did he say to Moses? What do you have in your hand? Maybe it's a camera in your hand because you work for the local news channel. It could be anything. Come on, it could be anything. And God will use that which you have to further his kingdom. Moses called, or God called Moses because God needed a shepherd to lead his children out of bondage. Come on, God's calling you and placed an anointing upon you with the talents and the giftings that he's given. God hasn't made no mistakes. You can use those talents and giftings to build his kingdom and to build his house. In fact, every talent and gifting and every ability that you have comes from the hand of God. He's given it to you, not just for you to provide for your home, as important as that is, to go out and get a job and to use that. But he's given it really for you to build his house and for you to use that talent to provide for his house. Come on, God has given you an ability. What's in your hand, God has given you that because God wants you to function in your unction. God wants you to do what he's called you. Come on, there's never going to be a better you than you. Be you. Use your talents to build his house. You've got to get them out of a hole because if you keep your talents in a hole, God's going to dig them out and give them to someone else. And someone else is going to be used. And they're going to receive the blessing in return because as we give, we receive back. God needed Moses, is that right? Yeah. But God needed something more than Moses. Are you ready? God needed for him to be fully obedient to him and to trust him with what he had in his hand. To use that and to surrender that for service. Then the rest is history. One man led a multitude out of Egypt. What if God has called you, and I believe he has, to be that man and woman that you are leading other people around you out of deliverance and bondage? And God's using you to be a deliverer for people to impact your world. I believe he has. And I believe it's time to take our relationship with him to new levels because when we love him more, come on, we're going to look for ways that we can give more and we can serve more. Two more scriptures and then I want to pray with you. Luke 6, 38. Given it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put in your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. It's not just given, it's but how much you give. The same measure you use is going to be given back to you. The Message Bible says, give away your life. Don't you love that? Give away your life. And then you'll find life given back. But not merely just given back, but given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. As we freely give of ourselves from relationship, the promise is what? We will be blessed. And again, maybe you're not seeing that right now in your life. But it's because you're not putting the practice of the principle of giving into play. You've got to first give 
for you to be able to receive. One last scripture, Acts 2 verse 35. How many of you are missing the words on the screen? You're missing that today? Can't be back next week. Why? Because someone's going to volunteer to help us with that. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. What is the greatest blessing? To give. The greatest blessing I can have in my life is not to look for return, but to look how I can serve. Come on, did you get that? The greatest blessing of my life is to look how I can give how I can serve, how I can be what God has called me to be. And that's true serving, the action of my life. I really believe it's time for us to transition our lives into the wide open, spacious place that God has for us. And that means not just to be an attender, but to serve, to give. Out of love for God, I'm now going to serve. Come on, I don't, I don't want you today. We're not trying to do this emotional manipulation thing today. We're not trying to make you make an emotional decision today. We want you to make a relational decision today. What do we mean by that? Because you love him. You want to say, I want to be used. I want to take that love to other people. I want to be the in-between between God and others around. I want to hold open a door. I want to watch someone's kid in the nursery. I want to drive the bus. I want to be part of the project outreach team. Come on, I want to make a difference in the lives of people. Why? Because God has given me so much more than I need. Because he wants me to give it to other people. And if I just have a relationship with him and I'm not doing anything, I really don't have a relationship with him. It's what James said. But true relationship with him is seen in the action of our life. Come on, wonder today if you could say, I'm making a transition into life. And you know what I want to do? I want to do everything that God's called me to do. I want to step up for service. I want to be the first to put my name on a list if there's a need. And say, here I am, I can feel it. Why? Because I've got this in my hand and I can use that. I've got this in my hand. I'm telling you, everything that you have in your hand is a tool that God can use to build his church. And remember, his church is not four walls and a steeple. His church is people. And God can use what's in your hand as you serve other people to build his kingdom, to see people's lives touched and changed. Would you stand to your feet with us today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.